Good morning, Hyrock. Welcome back to our daily devos, to our journey of 40 days in Exodus. Uh, Pastor Robert, as you can see, is with us here. Good morning. Thanks for being with us, Pastor Robert. Glad to have you here today. A couple of quick uh, housekeeping notes before we jump into the text here in just a moment. I want to let you know that today is my last day for now as host. Uh, Pastor John will be back tomorrow, and then you'll continue to see me occasionally on the right side of the screen uh, as a guest. So I look forward to <laughs> continuing uh, these conversations with you all uh, periodically uh, in the coming days. Uh, also, I want to let you know that we're going to jump into the Passover story today. And so we're in chapter 12, but we're going to jump around a little bit. And so if you want to read the full story, I would encourage you to do that. Uh, but for the sake of time, we're going to jump around a little bit so we can kind of get a sense of the breadth of the whole Passover story. So with that said, let's jump into the text this morning together, shall we? While the Israelites were still in the land of Egypt, the Lord gave the following instructions to Moses and Aaron. From now on, this month will be the first month of the year for you. Announce to the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each family must choose a lamb or a young goat for a sacrifice, one animal for each household. If a family is too small to eat a whole animal, let them share with one another family in the neighborhood. Uh, divide the animal according to the size of each family and how much they can eat. The animal you select must be a one-year-old male, either a sheep or a goat with no defects. Take special care of this chosen animal until the evening of the 14th day of this first month. Then the whole assembly of the community of Israel must slaughter their lamb or young goat at twilight. They are to take some of the blood and smear it on the sides and top of the door frames of the houses where they eat the animal. This is a day to remember. Each year, from generation to generation, you must celebrate it as a special festival to the Lord. This is a law for all time. And that night, at midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn sons in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn son of Pharaoh, who sat on his throne, to the firstborn son of the prisoner in the dungeon. Even the firstborn of their livestock were killed. Pharaoh and all his officials and all the people of Egypt woke up during the night and loud wailing was heard throughout the land of Egypt. There was not a single house where someone had not died. Pharaoh sent for Moses and Aaron during the night. Get out, he ordered. Leave my people and take the rest of the Israelites with you. Go and worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and herds as you said and be gone. Go, but bless me as you leave. All the Egyptians urged the people of Israel to get out of the land as quickly as possible, for they thought, we will all die. The Israelites took their bread dough before yeast was added. They wrapped their kneading boards in their cloaks and carried them on their shoulders. And the people of Israel did as Moses had instructed. They asked the Egyptians for clothing and articles of silver and gold. The Lord caused the Egyptians to look favorably on the Israelites, and they gave the Israelites whatever they asked for. So they stripped the Egyptians of their wealth. That night, the people of Israel left Ramesses and started for Succoth. There were about 600,000 men, plus all the women and children. A rabble of non-Israelites went with them, along with great flocks and herds of livestock. For bread, they baked flat cakes from the dough without yeast, 
they had brought from Egypt. It was made without yeast because the people were driven out of Egypt in such a hurry that they had no time to prepare the bread or other food. The people of Israel had lived in Egypt for 430 years. In fact, it was on the last day of the 430th year that all the Lord's forces left the land. On this night, the Lord kept his promise to bring his people out of the land of Egypt. So this night belongs to him, and it must be commemorated every year by all the Israelites from generation to generation. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Well, um, folks, we have in some way, in many ways, arrived at a crescendo point in the story. And there will be other crescendos in Exodus, but this is uh, in so many ways what we've been leading towards over these last few weeks in this Exodus journey. And it is a powerful text. It's a difficult text. It is... um, it's a lot to wrestle with. Uh, you know, I think uh, there's there's so much in here, and given the amount of time we have today, we're only going to scratch the surface, and we recognize that. But a couple of things I want to um, want to draw our attention to is the first is that um, this was there's a reason this was supposed to be reenacted and sort of re remembered liturgically each year. Is that so? Each generation that would come after this. Uh, who wouldn't have experienced it for themselves will remember this event and understand that it belongs to them, that this is part of their people's story. And I think sometimes we can sort of miss this as uh, as the, predominantly the church is, is Gentile at this point, and we're so far removed in terms of culture and history and context. But I just would, would note that as people who are grafted into Christ's, in, into, the, into the family of God, in, in, into, into Christ's body through Christ death and resurrection, that we've been grafted into the whole story because of that. And so I would just remind us that this is our history as people of faith. This story, in part, belongs to us. Now, we don't own it, but we are a part of it. And so I would just say that, you know, while this isn't an uncomfortable text in some ways, it's also a beautiful text in other ways, because this is the fulfillment of God's promises. Like we, we see that all the thing that God says will happen, happen. The uh, Egyptians give the Israelite slaves their gold and their jewelry and their wealth. And so they experience economic liberation. They get the fruit of their labor after four centuries of brutal oppression and slavery. We see that God's people are delivered, that God is trustworthy and true. And so, uh, you know, all of those things I want us to hold in tension with the difficult reality, because I, I don't know about you, Robert, but like this, this text is hard for me. Um, I, I, I struggle when. Uh, there are times in, in the text when when God is violent. Um, I tend to lean more towards the nonviolent uh, approach in life, and I prefer that theologically. And yet I have to acknowledge here that like God does find it acceptable at times uh, to use violence. Um, and I would note that you know there were nine other attempts to move Pharaoh before this. This is not like this and four centuries. This isn't like God's first course of action that we we got here by a lot of intentional, recalcitrance and injustice and oppression. So it, it's not, I, I don't think we can say in any way that this is unjust or undeserved, uh, but it's still just hard to sit with. And I just, I don't think we can solve that, but I just want to acknowledge that, um, that it's just, it's a hard thing to sit with. Um, and the other thing I would note is in, in terms of how profound a fulfillment of prophecy this is from God or, or God's promises rather, is that uh, Pharaoh, true to what God said, doesn't just let the Israelites go. He expels them 
And he says, bless me on the way out. You know, so they don't leave in the middle of the night sneaking out. They walk out, you know, being able to plunder with their heads held high, you know, fully having defeated the empire uh, of the Egyptians and of Pharaoh, fully having humiliated the pantheon of gods. I mean, this is all God's work. This is like, and, and it's, it's, it's on display here. I don't, we don't want to. Uh, improperly associate or uh, give credit where it's not not due but i just want to note like this is such a profound reversal of fortune and so that is why i think it's so important that we understand this and that god wants us to remember this and this becomes part of the liturgical worshiping life of israel and it's in some ways what we remember uh, as a continuation in communion uh, that you know jesus becomes the passover lamb and the new passover lamb and we see that in the last supper and so um, yeah, I would just say, as we sit with this, there's a lot of theological questions, but I would encourage us not to, um, move past this too quickly or, uh, kind of rush over the parts that we don't like, because it is important to God that we understand and re-remember this story regularly so much. That he says, this is the law for all time. And so, um, yeah, I just want to invite us and encourage us to sit with that this morning. Those are the things that uh, jump out to me. Robert, I'm curious, what uh, what strikes your your attention here uh, in the text this morning? Yeah, there's some ways that this tenth and final plague uh, kind of harkens back to the story of Abraham, uh, mm-hmm. that he was called a, a man of faith. He was willing to sacrifice his only son simply because the Lord told him to, uh, much like the Hebrews did. By faith, they sacrificed an unblemished lamb and uh, and placed its blood on the doorpost and the lintel of their homes. Um, but in the case of Abraham, the Lord stopped him from going through with the sacrifice right at the very last moment. And so we see that intervention and the faith of Abraham's obedience and trust in the Lord. And we correlate that story uh, with how God did place his own son in the position of being the sacrifice mm-hmm. for our sins. But instead of restraining himself from carrying out the sacrifice, God carried out the most horrific sacrifice of his own son, for our own salvation and healing. So in this story of the Passover, we see evidence and a foreshadow of God's larger mission uh, here within this story. It's, it is the Egyptian sin of slavery, much like our slavery to sin and their uh, lack of faith and belief in the God of gods that caused them to lose out big time in the end. And it serves as a fore- forewarning for us as well. And so in much the same way that we, um, that our own sins separated us from God, we were as guilty as the Egyptians and worthy of their same fate. Hmm. But this time, rather than sending a plague because of our sin uh, to wipe us out, God took away his wrath from us uh, by taking our sin upon himself and subjected his own son to a horrific death on a cross. And so one uh, final point, because I know our time is getting away from us, that you, you'll remember from the earlier texts in the book of Exodus uh, that the goal all along had been for the people of Israel to be set free. Mm-hmm. And if you remember, what reason was that? It was so that they could go to worship, worship. God. Yep. Yeah. But it wasn't just so that they could have like an assembly or a special church service out in the middle of the desert or uh, on the other side of the Red Sea, for that matter, though they did have that as Miriam led them. uh, We'll soon hear about that in in coming days about Miriam uh, led them in worship. But it was so that the Lord would set them free and so so they could live the rest of their lives in love and devotion to the Lord. It was so that God 
could bless the nations through them. So it's a very high calling uh, why they have uh, been, why they have gained their freedom. So this is our same call on this side of the cross. There is this broader context of worship at play here. Uh, it's to offer our bodies, our whole lives as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Uh, this is our true and spiritual worship. In essence, to love others with the same sacrificial love that we have received from God. And thankfully, worship is so much more than just singing to the Lord it involves sacrifice. Mm. It sure it involves prayer and reading and studying of God's word and includes songs of praise and dance or art uh, that is made to the glory of God. But it also includes uh, includes living our lives in thankfulness, sharing our faith and God's love with others, giving our tithes, teaching mm. others about the things of God, serving and ministering to others, basically reducing people's pain in life, being change makers in this world so that others can be free to know God and the love he offers through his son, our savior and Messiah. And so there is so much more that I could say about what worship looks like. And we haven't even gotten into justice and helping others in their human flourishing to escape the pain of poverty and provide access, proper access to education or healthcare. The list goes on. So, but this is our spiritual act of worship and we love and serve the Lord via these ways. Um, I, Pastor Taylor, I know you and Pastor Dave are going to eventually, well, it may, it's going to be Pastor John, I guess, mm -hmm. um, is going to eventually get us to the text of the Red Sea crossing. So I'll save the parallels of Christ's resurrection and baptism and our future resurrection for that day when uh, we get to that text, but I'm already looking forward to it when that day comes. Yeah, me too. Tune in next time, folks. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, Pastor Robert, thanks so much. Um, I could not agree more with all that you shared. Um, on that wonderful note, can I close us uh, in a word of prayer? Please. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for uh, the ways that uh, you challenge us and for the ways you call us to a liberated uh, and renewed existence in you. May we lean into this text this morning and may we May we see your character and your love in new ways, and may we know that you are the same God yesterday, today, and tomorrow. You are with us today, calling us forth to be a people of worship and a people of liberation and a people of blessing to all others. Lord, may this be true because of our faith in you today. All this we pray in your holy name. Amen. Amen.